Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gola Jr. That is me, with me as always, and very thankful for that. Producer Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Wah, 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 wah. Happy Turkey Day. What? Oh, I don't no, that's the, say Eve, but that's that's the thing after. No, it's it's like I don't and I don't think it's like Boxing Day because I think that's a Christmas thing. I think you know what this is, Brandon is. It's oh. the equivalent of I think the NBA on Christmas Day kind of ether after where for that point for most people that aren't diehard NBA fans that's when basketball season starts I think today is like the day when most people that aren't diehard Christmas stands Christmas season now starts for the people that need to feel that Thanksgiving is so revered and gets its own space that they won't broach the subject until they play Mariah Carey for the first time today that was a very nice and cordial way of saying Thanksgiving hardos, get over yourself. Yes. It's Christmas season. Yes, exactly. You've had your time. Like, I'm amazed. You know, gasp, Brandon. I was at a Thanksgiving celebration where there were Christmas decorations already up yesterday, and the oven still worked. Turkey still got done. We ah, still managed to eat food. That. It's amazing that somehow all that stuff was still able to work, even though the Christmas holiday season had taken over aesthetically. You know what? I will give you uh, that grace. I think you have a great point there because my two-year-old who went over a, uh, a foreign home for Thanksgiving for the very first time in a long time was comforted at the fact that they had a Christmas tree like we did. He's like, Daddy, they got one too. Like, we're good. And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah you know what? He's got, a, he's got a point. International sign that all things are good, man. 
I'm just saying, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, and we all had a lot of pudding and everything yesterday. We hope everyone had a great yes. Thanksgiving. This one's going to be a quitty, pretty quick episode today. We are full and hungover, and so at least I'm hungover. I won't speak for you on that front, Brandon. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm sugar hungover sugar hungover which is a very real thing so uh we'll yeah. take a look and make sure we get our picks on wax uh coming up this weekend rivalry weekend in college football some interesting things to keep an eye on in the nfl and one of the more interesting concepts for a netflix show that i've heard in a while but uh brandon it was thanksgiving and Thanksgiving yesterday uh we had the Ooh. three games back to back on Thanksgiving. Big picture yesterday, did you get out of Thanksgiving without incident? Because I feel like for most people, walking into Thanksgiving, especially with family, it's trying to navigate yes. the minefield of way too personal questions, potentially seeing relatives or friends. You mentioned you were at a house that wasn't yours, so you were on, you know, yes. you were playing a road game yesterday. How'd that go? Guess mode. Uh, great, great, Mike. I think, uh, I think timing is everything, right? Uh, we showed up a little bit late. I don't know if you, well, dealing with me, that's uh, a usual thing that happens, but with two kids, Mike, that's, it gets even more serious. So we showed up right after everyone said what they were thankful for at the house. So, whew, dodged that bullet, uh, kind of got right to the food and uh, got a chance to bring the party a little bit. But yeah, no weird things happen. I did notice some, some things that I, I did worth mentioning when it comes to Thanksgiving after uh, Thanksgiving. A lot of people like to blame their normal drinking habits or normal eating habits on the holiday. Oh, yeah. Because right? it, it's one of the first times that you're consuming alcohol or food amongst people that you haven't seen maybe all year, maybe ever in your life, maybe never again. Right. So as everyone pours another drink or takes another uh, scoop of. Well, it's not a scoop, another slice of pie. They're like, oh, the holidays. It's the holiday season. It's so weird. It's the primetime game of life. Right, because you've got an audience you don't normally have. Everyone's watching, and you have a chance to set the tone in the way that you're. They're going to think about you, and we don't approach it that way. You're absolutely right. I was way drunker yesterday than I am on normal days. I'm sure most people are. You know, we're probably close to that range. And you're right. We eat like an absolute ass, and so you're not necessarily putting your best foot forward in the prime time window. No, Mike, but I, I do I do one thing that's that's pretty impressive. I, I'm a big one plate guy. Like I have a mountain for that one plate, huh. but when I get to the bottom of that one plate, I'm done. Really? Yes. You don't go well, for seconds at all. One... No, no. It's just a pretty intimidating uh what you would imagine my first plate to look like, but that's the only plate. I'm a little bit baffled. One that you would like, I don't know if that's limiting yourself or if that over the years you've just gotten so good at knowing exactly how much your body can handle that you're able to eyeball that on one plate. That's yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a gift only on Thanksgiving. Every, I'm, I'm a big, uh, you know, seconds guy I come running around, you know, it's important to use a calorie uh, to burn calories. So. The second plate is just, you know, an excuse to work out. Now, the real question becomes, and, and I'm in this window as well, I went, our friends, um, Dane and Hillary Christ were hosting Thanksgiving. Uh, Dane, maybe the, the, I would say the, the foremost listener of this podcast, Dane Christ. Um, and it was awesome. It was, they did a phenomenal job of that. A bunch of, you know, their family were both there. 
And the thing with doing a road game for Thanksgiving, though, is I didn't take any leftovers home. And I'm, you know, I travel on the weekends anyway, so it's kind of a tough thing to negotiate because it would just sit there all weekend. But for you, were you able to bring anything back on the leftover front? I, I, as anyone who listens to this podcast, Dane included, knows I make questionable decisions. Did not take any leftovers back, Mike. Did not bring any leftovers home at all. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was like thinking about it was it's easier because I had like babies and stuff in hand, and like we already left jackets that my sister like went back and got and stuff like like there's there's things that I I can't add food on top of that. But as I got home and I was hungry. And I was tired of dessert. I wish I had some stuffing, Mike. I wish I had some dressing. I wish I had some... I wish I had all that stuff and I didn't. I had nothing. I know. It's one of my favorite parts of Thanksgiving from growing up was knowing for the next few days, anytime I'm hungry, it's just, let's go back and let's make the Thanksgiving monster plate. Go ahead and nuke that thing and we'll be good to go. And having it just cut off at one day, I know we talk and joke a lot about how Thanksgiving is one day, but as far as the food portion of it, that tends to bleed over into the rest of the weekend in a way that's now lost when you do a Thanksgiving road game. So shout out thoughts and prayers to everyone else that was on uh, different turf for Thanksgiving and didn't walk away with any rolls to go ahead and microwave with the mashed potatoes to then make into a pseudo little sandwich with any of the hammer turkey that's left over. Mike, that sentence, I thought that sentence was going to end two times. Uh, I, but I, I thought about this yesterday, Mike. Shout out to everyone who spent Thanksgiving alone. And maybe just call somebody that was with somebody or watch the movie that they liked or got into the Christmas spirit early, you know what I mean? But and Or end up having to go to Waffle House or one of the other establishments that are open. Uh, I think Crackle Barrel gave out Thanksgiving dinners. But shout out to the people that uh, on a day that you're usually surrounded by family we're alone yep holidays can be complicated for a lot of people and for some reasons people whether it's work or anything else might have ended up alone maybe for some reasons you know and reasons outside of that you ended up alone uh but it's difficult everyone's situation's difficult and we know holidays aren't always just happy for everybody so if it was a tough day for you if you had something rough going on you know we hope it was as good as it could possibly be we hope you got to enjoy some version of that uh and that includes any of the That includes any of the football, Brandon, as well, uh, because while we are in the primetime game of life, I think we also have an interesting thing that happens on Thanksgiving where we have three standalone games back to back to back. Normally in the NFL Sunday in a world that's been red zonified and basically just focuses then into one primetime game, we get three over the course of a week. But something about seeing them back to back to back over the course of the day, I think really does allow people to sort of see right next to one right next to the other in a comparative way who's really a cut above the rest in ways that we already probably know. But man, like seeing the performance of Josh Allen at the end of the Buffalo Bills game, seeing the way that like Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson all looked on there when you had them one after another, it kind of showed you a little more of who's on the same playing field and who's still trying to figure things out. Like you saw some clear deficiencies on the field yesterday, but seeing three uh, essentially, because they do feel like primetime games because everyone's just sitting around waiting for that as a part of their day all day or at least it feels like that right yeah and I think there's a there's I think one of the reasons why the teams separate is because it's Thursday and because it's a holiday yeah. and because it's Thanksgiving it's like can you be buttoned up enough to ignore the distractions forget the turducken and just 
it was cool to hear like Barry Sanders and all the stuff they did around John Madden and all the uh, tributes and hear other guys talk about other guys who played on Thanksgiving talk about the special moment it is to just show out because the most eyes are watching and and that's what was so cool about this Josh Allen Buffalo's Bills game Mike for me like second game in a row in Michigan or in Fort Field but that throw to Stefan Diggs was like, okay, guys, I give up. I I, I understand the Josh Allen obsession. I, I, I concede. Well, that was a real one where I think the comparison highlighted that, right? Because right before that Josh Allen throw, you had third and one for the Lions before they ended up kicking the field goal, where they, yeah. bad play call, I think, called a go ball to DJ Chark, and Jared Goff just overthrew it. Shark was wide open, had a really good shot, and Jared Goff airmailed that throw. Basically, two plays later, you had Josh Allen's 38-yard pass to Stephon Diggs that set up, you know, and helped set up the game-winning field goal for the Bills. And seeing those side-by-side, that's the difference. Like, I have a vivid memory of having a conversation with Dan Orlovsky when I was still on the morning show with Dad and Trey. And Dan was talking about the difference between being a starter and a backup in a conversation he'd had with a coach and said essentially that being the guy or not boils down to like four or five plays a game four or five throws a game that you have the opportunity to change. Because Jared Goff's a pretty good quarterback and has acquitted himself very well during the three-game win streak. But in critical moments, when you've got to make the big throws, that's the difference between being Josh Allen, who's one of the warrior elite in the league and is one of the best quarterbacks that we have and is a legitimate space alien, and being Jared Goff, who's likely not going to be the quarterback of the Lions next year. He's going to have a job in football. He might even be a starter for somebody, but he's clearly not the future for the Lions in a way that most of us probably already knew, but I think in the middle of the good times fest that had been a three-game win streak, you might lose sight of when you don't have the direct comparison of, all right, even Josh Allen, who's dealing with an elbow injury right now, it has clearly affected his play in ways that he will not talk about, but in those critical moments, whether it was with his legs putting his body on the line or with throws like that, he can muster that up because he's got that next level of stuff that quarterbacks in the range of Jared Goff just do not have. (sighs) <sighs> Clearly, Mike, that five play, the five throws, you can see it. You can see it with the elite talent, and you can see it in the playoffs and every quarterback that's questionable. Uh, shit, Jimmy G. Jimmy G would make questionable moves of the three of those five plays usually, and that's one of the reasons why he hasn't uh, won a Super Bowl. But, yeah, Mike, I, I do think that Jared Goff just looked even more like a wet noodle. Like you're noticing his mouth is hanging open, is hanging open as much as Draymond's. He just looks lost out there. I I, I do want more for the uh, for the Detroit Lions, but I do want to give Jared Goff his flowers as a bridge quarterback because yeah. I think he's been more serviceable there than we thought. And maybe it's because the Lions are losing these games. But he looks better this year than he has in a very long time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it got talked about plenty. The Lions are one of, like, the four best offenses in the NFL. And that includes passing. Like, what him and Amon Ross St. Brown have been able to do in that passing yes. game. And I know they talked about it. Jamison Williams, their first-round draft pick out of can- – out of. Uh, uh, excuse me, out of Alabama is, you know, back mm-hmm. on the field right now. They're getting ready to do that. But, Brandon, you mentioned in Detroit – 
The other part that's kind of rubber meeting the road, as we've talked about their offensive improvement, you had the three-game win streak that started to make people feel a little better, but then the primetime reaction is going back to what the trajectory of this team looks like under Dan Campbell, who's under fire for a lot of the clock management stuff yesterday. In one-score games in the last two years, Dan Campbell's 4-10. and And you can, I think, anecdotally see some of the conversation around Lions fans versus the conversation around national media starting to really hit the fork in the road where Lions fans are like, this is what we're used to. We've lost these games traditionally for a long time, while those of us who watched Hard Knocks and enjoy Dan Campbell's personality, love the former player staff that he put together, it all feels good and we see them being competitive in a way that we don't normally associate with the Lions. And we say and hear Tony Romo talk about, well, the culture is in a better place. They're a tougher team. All things that are true, but are easier to talk about when it's not affecting the team that you love day in and day out. And it feels like the schism between Lions fans and the way that we approach this nationally has really started to hit that divide because yesterday was it was pretty tough on the game management side of things that does fall on the head coach right at the end of the first half they don't bleed the clock down to the two minute warning during a drive where they ultimately score and they leave buffalo just enough time to go down and get a field goal in a game that buffalo wins by three at the end of the game you've got that final sequence where dan campbell said after they were trying to thread the needle between going out and being aggressive enough to make sure they got in field goal range to potentially tie that game while also not wanting to leave the Bills time on the clock and yet that's at odds with the decision to throw the ball on third and one where you are down near the opposing red zone. You've got a chance to go and get a fresh set of downs with two timeouts in your pocket and one even if you don't get that first down, force Buffalo to use I forget if Buffalo had timeouts or not at that point, but force them to use a timeout or just keep the clock burning yourself if they had no timeouts, knowing that you were going to be comfortable settling for a field goal. Instead, you throw it on third and one. Your quarterback does miss. Like They schemed open a good throw. The quarterback should hit that throw, and you and I both know a player is always going to look at it and go, hey, man, it's my job to hit the play that's called. If the play's there, there's going to be frustration right. and execution on that side of things. But yes. wouldn't have made the play call because now you stop the clock on an incompletion. Now it makes life easier for them, and so you're not getting a touchdown, and Buffalo still had plenty of time. Now, don't get me wrong. Buffalo, what they did, I, I'm pretty sure, was historic in terms of – oh, yeah, here we go. The Bills became the first team to start a drive in the last 25 seconds of regulation at their own 25 or deeper and score since the Chiefs did it in that 13-second drive in the divisional round last year. So the Bills did... Against the Bills. Yeah, ironically enough. But the Bills did something we haven't seen another team do so far this season. So it's pretty special relative to them, but those were situations that the head coach is supposed to be able to manage. It's a reminder that head coaching is about a lot more than just clock management. We've watched Andy Reid, who's been one of the best coaches in football. It's a meme at this point, his clock management at the end of games. But when it's so clearly tied to and you're so close and on the cusp of winning more of these games than you're losing, 
even if there's probably not a world where we should have realistically expected the Lions to beat a team like the Bills, this would have been their best shot. Buffalo going back and forth between Buffalo and Detroit on a short week, twice, knowing they had just weathered the snowstorm conditions back there. All those things had Buffalo in as weakened a form for them as you'll see most of this season. And I'm sure Lions fans are frustrated feeling like they can't take advantage of that. There are going to be rightly criticisms of Dan Campbell in those moments because those do fall on the head coach. But I also just go back to like, I I think there's so many other areas of coaching where Dan Campbell has been able to affect that team in a positive way. Areas that we don't get to see day in and day out, but these can't be regular mistakes. And we talk about accountability. Dan Campbell was out there saying in defending their clock management, I'm not going to lie. I would have rather heard, yeah, you know what? We, we probably messed up in that spot. I have to be better as a head coach in that spot because those are areas that look like spots where improvement's still possible. And, and I think for Dan Campbell, that will you know certainly be a part of the conversation going forward and something people will have their eyes on. Well, I, I think the reality of it is, Mike, the difference between the Detroit Lions media and fan base and everyone else is improvement has happened. Yeah. Right? Like, good teams cover. Like, now the Lions are, are, aren't a quick out. They aren't a, a a game that you could just turn off and, and or wait for like a big receiver play. Like, what's his name? The, the the coordinator Ben Johnson. Yeah. Like, that was some fun like offense to watch. Dude. Like Saint Armoral Saint Brown like getting the ball to him and very like it was that thir- a crucial third down play. He came in like motion and it was like a quick handoff. Like that that type of stuff. I'm I'm not used to seeing from the Lions and. I'm sorry, like maybe we don't expect these teams to like win games like uh, or these franchises that yeah. are at the bottom to work their way back at the top in a year because like real football players or real football people don't ever expect something like that. But the Lions are good. Yeah, I, I and they're, you're right, they're fun. Ben Johnson does call really – their fourth down play calling was lethal yesterday. I mean, they, yeah. they had – And, and the, the, it seems like Dan Campbell – that's what I'm saying, like the DNA of the team. Like it used to be the Island of Misfit Toys. Like you look at the roster and you understand it. Like that grit thing kind of – I don't know if it's – I am still thinking about hard knocks, but you can see it. Oh, yeah, it shows up. It shows up and it's very real. And to your point, like expecting a lot of them at this juncture – when you're still in the talent acquisition phase where you're starting to see that show up on defense, Aiden Hutchinson in that front seven getting a right. bunch of pressure on Josh Allen yesterday, you can see it start to come. It's a house with good bones, right? It's not all the way finished right. yet, but you walk in and you can see the potential, and then the HGTV thing flashes on there, and you see the cabinets moving around and stuff, and you imagine <laughs> what it would look like when you get a first-round quarterback in there potentially. So, yeah, yeah. I, I would – I would it, like, again, like, I'm not – I saw some people, you know, trying to act like, you know, this was fireable. Like, I don't think Dan Campbell should go anywhere. I think at this point he's been so much a part of the solution and getting this in the right direction. I think this is going to be about getting a quarterback in there long term that can make those kind of plays, continuing to add to the arsenal on defense and, you know, and off- the offensive skill room around Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, you did let TJ Hawkinson go. You are waiting to see it get Jam- Jamison Williams back. So you're building towards those things. The backfield, you know, Jamal Williams has been a revelation this year in a backfield where DeAndre Swift also lives there. So it's all going in the right direction. And I think Dan Campbell, more often than not, has been part of the solution than the problem. I think Detroit fans know that, Mike, because they're not so silly. They, they don't have the college football mindset so much that they don't remember Matt Patricia. And at this point in time in the season, there was no, like, 
real silver lining like the, like that all was all like stayed in the preseason and never really got past like game or week three or week four for Patricia. So yeah. All right, guys, let's talk about Jaegermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jaegermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jaegermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. The rest of the games um, I didn't quite have that level of drama. Like Dallas and New York, the Giants were down three starting offensive linemen against one of the best pass rushing groups in the NFL. Dak had a couple interceptions. One was on a play that he thought was a free play. Like the center snapped the ball because right, they right. thought the D-line had jumped into the neutral zone. And so he just aired that one out. You could see him after looking around. He thought, you know, where was the flag? And it turned right, that right. one loose. But they were able to rally. Like That's just such a complete team. The similarities between them and Philadelphia offensively where Dak Prescott is not asked to do a ton. Like He makes a few, of, like, a few really good throws, and Michael Gallup looked incredibly physical at the top of routes yesterday. CeeDee Lamb had the freak show one-handed catch where that the little boy celebration where like the receiver yes. or the skill player puts the hand down near the ground like you're too small, one of the most disrespectful things that has entered sports in quite some time. It has to hurt someone's feelings so badly. It, it's, come, it, it's a spillover from the NBA, Mike. Like they need to keep that trash over there. Like the 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 rocking the baby that goes on in in in, uh, in the MLB. Like let's keep that there. I know Westbrook does it a little bit, but like I, I don't like this. Oh, I, I don't like. I, oh, I love it. I mean, people, I mean disrespectful. Like I mean disrespectful in a very good way. Yes, like that is so demoralizing I, the for the opponent. I love a good bit of shit talking. So I want to be clear. I love it, but it has to hurt so bad on the other side when you've just gotten beat for a play like that, and then you're reminded by another grown man that he believes you to be a little boy. It's unfortunate, Mike. It's disrespectful. I don't like it because football is one of those great equalizers where you know Austin Eckler can be on the same team that are that you know I think it's uh, Antonio Gates was I think it's and, more and, and figurative a, a than it is literal about someone's height I mean it's more you're not small but you're a little boy and I am a man and I am out here absolutely dominating <laughs> yes. your ass so yes. but it, you know all that is all that is to say Dex I think kind of in a very similar position to Jalen Hurts where we're going to look for a bunch of these areas. Like I saw Ben Solak, who our friend that came over and joined us from the ringer was talking about the Eagles two minute drive at the end of the last game. It was largely run based and they didn't put the ball in Jalen hurts hands a ton and wondering if there was something to read into about that. And you know, you can go back and forth on that. It, it kind of speaks to some of my thoughts about Jalen Hurts overall as a quarterback, who's still very good. But I think him and Dak Prescott are more and more going to fall into that same lane, right? Where Dak Prescott, yes, is you know paid very well, but that offense, when it's functioning at 
its best version of itself is going to look like yesterday and look like it has all season where it's dominated in the ground game and then you get a few of those big time plays every game and Dak made good throws on those play I don't want to take that away from him but we've seen Dak's a very good quarterback this year he's not in that upper tier of Mahomes Allen those guys at the top but he's in that next group right below that where he made a bunch of very good throws he gave the receivers a bunch of opportunities to make those great plays yesterday there were the couple of interceptions but overall he's got a team around him where we don't need him to go out there and be trying to forcing himself into the next category that's not the best version of this team and we've seen that borne out yeah I just I think I'm more disappointed in the Giants uh I think eh, I wanted the switch to happen this year Mike but the Cowboys are still the Cowboys are still one of the best teams in the NFC. Yep. It, Giants are too beat up up front in that game in particular. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was given Tyler Smith all he could handle on the edge there. I think Giants fans have to be very happy with how their young edge rusher has come on over the course of this season. Uh, but that's another Absolutely. one, too. I mean, I you know, Daniel Jones, like there's, there's a cap on what that quarterback's going to be able to do for you, even if he has... I think steadied himself and started playing some of his best football this season. Um, the Patriots Vikings game also, this is about what I expected as far as the Vikings game getting back online. The Patriots being really bad on special teams was a bit of a wild part of this game, giving up yards in that after, area after the, yeah, after yeah, winning yeah. it against the jets <laughs> on special teams. Right. But you also had the Hunter Henry touchdown there that I can't believe was overturned. Um, right? Bill Belichick was equally as pissed. You hear all the time surviving the ground. So when you're going to the ground in the end zone with a touchdown, you've got to maintain possession through that. And for Hunter Henry, normally that applies when a player is going out of bounds, where they land on the b- ground, and then if the ball moves or anything like that and they're out of bounds, then it would be an incomplete pe- uh, pass. Hunter Henry was in bounds the entire time, and to rule that incomplete where the ball didn't move when it hit the ground, he turned over and then it moved some there, but he still had possession of it, seemed pretty wild to me, and... It seemed like basically everyone I talked to whose opinion I valued looked at that and thought that was a catch, and for it to be overturned was certainly maddening to Bill Belichick, who said to ask the officials about that in the postgame press conference, but that was about the biggest play I saw in that game that seemed noteworthy. I mean, yeah, it was... I. You think you understand football, you think you understand catches. Uh, that's why I think the refs are such an interesting part of the game because obviously they they hold so much control, but they can just get it so wrong too at any point in time, and that be the right thing. <laughs> That's like on record. You have to remember that the shit went wrong in the history books because every bit of that is a catch. Even the part of the catch, like I'm not a big fan of the barely grazing the pylon as a as a result for a touchdown. Excuse me, as a defender. Like, I, I, I need a little bit more than that. And we got a little bit more than that with Hunter Henry and how he was able to, like you said, secure the ball. And it then, at the very least, Mike, I thought they were going to put it at the one after he regained control. Right. If, if it's about surviving the ground. Because how is that an incomplete pass? They ruled it an incomplete pass. That was the mind-blowing part to me. I'm with you. I could have taken it at the one-yard line because when it moved a little bit, once he had rolled over, he was then back on the one-yard line. But it, to, to call it incomplete did seem really ridiculous. Um, in a game where we saw a bunch of good completions uh, on the other side, Justin Jefferson Ooh. is... Ooh. 
And, and I know that gets re- it's redundant at this point. Best receiver in football. Is that what you want to say, Brandon? Okay. Thank you. Yes, yes. I think it, there's some people out there, like how Josh Allen can walk in and just do the little boy uh, thing to anyone because he's Josh Allen, and maybe so can Stephon Diggs if Josh Allen is playing. But Justin Jefferson? Justin Jefferson can do that in a whole wide receiver room of the NFL. Yeah, no, I think he's. I, I think at this point he'd probably be on the mountaintop there. What he does at the top of catches, shielding the ball when he's about to get hit from multiple angles, just the spatial awareness of receivers in general impresses me, but Justin Jefferson is on a whole different planet right now. I mean, he corrals with milliseconds, Mike. It's like, I, 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 I don't want to test him for steroids. I want to test his hands for steroids. That is, my God, we saying that the same week where uh, was it? Uh, Chardarius Ward uh, was yes. asked about um, about DeAndre Hopkins and says, "I don't respect his game." That steroid boy, <laughs> <laughs> steroid boy. Also, I have to say before we move off this, Justin Jefferson and his insist- insistence on wearing his grill. Honestly, mm. it's I, I don't know how anyone else feels about it, but for me. He's an inspiration. God tier. To flex like that while bowling this hard, they're going to be very – it, it's – He has them on in the pictures of him in like normal – like like the professional photos of him that they use, stock images in his uniform. He has a grill in his mouth. His football LinkedIn pictures have a grill in there. An absolute icon in every measurable way. Justin oh, Jefferson, uh, very big fans on this podcast. Um uh brandon uh awesome thanksgiving slate we'll take a quick look at the weekend here uh coming up give you guys our picks as well um in the nfl this weekend we're not going to go too involved in this because again tired hungover you know thanksgiving didn't ask (laughs) for any of this getting ready to travel um um but interesting stuff to keep an eye on going into this weekend um in the nfl chicago with the jets um mike white getting the start zach wilson on the sideline i I, we also have a banged up justin fields on the other side this is a perfect storm for the jets to go out and get the kind of win where people are going to attribute this more to the quarterback than they should like i want to see how mike lafleur the offensive coordinator is going to adjust because part of garrett wilson their wide receivers call out was the offense in general like we've got to put more trust in the receivers and i know that seems like a shot at the quarterback but i also think play calling wise i'll be interested to see if they try and scheme up more opportunities for those guys try and really make it a 180 from what last week was against a chicago team that we know defensively has been selling off parts for the last month but also offensively is going to have to I think really alter their game plan either because Justin Fields may not be available or because Justin Fields is certainly walking into this severely limited yeah you're like you said it was the perfect storm they're they're both limping right now I just I want to this is a perfect opportunity for a healthy Justin Fields to assert his dominance though and I, and I just really hope that uh, maybe not as hard as dominance because that defense is so real. It's just it, it would be perfect if everyone was healthy, but now we got the Mike White versus uh, whatever version of Justin Fields we'll get. Yeah, Justin Fields is back. He's been a limited participant uh, the last couple of days in practice, so something to keep an eye on because clearly was hurt at the end of last game. But, yes, the rise of White Mike back into the Jets culture uh, is out here. Uh, Tampa, Cleveland, Deshaun Watson uh, likely making his return. Kevin Stefanski hasn't come out and stated it explicitly, but you saw Jacoby Brissett getting asked a bunch of questions about his play and how he felt about his 11 weeks that were objectively very good. Like, Jacoby Brissett 
continues to go out and show he's got a place in this league as one of the better backups out there. And maybe even, you know, at this point, better, like, kind of like in that Jared Goff range where he's good enough to be someone's starter, especially if you're a team that's in transition. Jared Goff would go out and I think for a lot of people showed very well in a circumstance where not much was expected of him but now we do have to wonder even if Kevin Stefanski hasn't said it Deshaun Watson's been back in the building I think a source told Albert Breer that he'd been getting first team reps and so we expect to get our first look at him against a Tampa Bay defense that we know up front can cause problems Cleveland certainly well suited personnel wise to be able to handle in that area but all eyes going to be on the quarterback spot in uh, in Cleveland yeah that's that's probably the best that's probably the best bit of analysis uh on that front here um we'll see uh green bay at philadelphia on the nightcap uh to sunday night football uh green bay obviously had the week where we all thought they were back and then they played the titans and they weren't back anymore uh this one to me is just going to be interesting for philadelphia uh green bay Run defense that's certainly not been great this season plays right into what Philadelphia wants to do on offense. So this should be one where Philly, who I think in the last couple of games, as the Dallas love has started to mount up, Philly's had a couple of last couple of games that have felt a little closer than people expected. It hasn't been quite as perfect as it was for the first run of the season. This might be a spot, again, primetime window, getting a chance to put your best foot forward where maybe Philly reinserts themselves at or near the top of that NFC conversation uh, where I think that they belong. Um, And then college weekend, man, it's, you know, Notre Dame, USC, and Michigan, Ohio State. Those are the games with the juice because they're great rivalries. Um, Ohio State's a two versus three rivalry game and one of the best rivalries in college football, which is incredible. We don't know um, what's the status of Blake Corum, the star running back and potential Heisman hopeful for Michigan going into this game. He was injured against Illinois and came off the field there. I did see some stuff earlier this week that people thought a player kind of slipped up and misspoke and said, you know, we're going to have to step up without him type thing where people are wondering about his status, which I I was already leaning towards picking Ohio State anyway. If Blake Corum were to be that limited or out, I think that really does impact as good and physical as Ohio State is up front. Blake Corum has been special this season, and their passing attack just has never been complete enough to, I think, balance out his absence. And so I would lean Ohio State in that game. Notre Dame, USC, um, you know, that one, the winner, I think, controls their destiny in the college football playoff. If Michigan were to lose, I think they're going to have a lot harder time versus if Ohio State lost, they would still have the Notre Dame win to point back to, like, that's where Michigan's out of conference schedule would really start to bite them in the ass. And then for Notre Dame USC, man, USC is a team that if they went out are going to be in a very good position to make the college football playoff, but defense really stops nothing and no one. And Notre Dame, I think is in a spot to go out and try and do exactly what they did against Ohio state to start the season, but better. That was a game that they ended up keeping a lot closer than people expected, and Notre Dame is a markedly better running team now with a much surer version of its identity, and likely the best defense, or at worst, the second best defense that USC will have seen all season long, if you want to throw Utah in that conversation. So, Caleb Williams is no easy out for anyone, but I think this Notre Dame team is extremely capable of playing spoiler this weekend. I might keep in my tradition of Miyagi-ing this and picking USC just to, like emotionally hedge because I've been picking the other team in all of these Notre Dame ranked games and they've been winning. So I don't want to jinx the situation on my end. 
No, you got to you got to stay consistent, Mike. But this these lines for this game uh, via DraftKings Sportsbook is very very interesting. Over under sixty four and a half. Like they really is that? I feel like that's well for no- I guess Notre Dame scoring more points now than than uh, than they have at the beginning of the season, but. That that seems more like a barn burner than I was expecting, but I do think that's a respectable five and a half points uh, for for Notre Dame, Notre Dame at plus five and a half. Absolutely, I think there's a lot of respect in that line. I think if Notre Dame is going to win this game, the under is going to hit. I think that's that's pretty safe yes, to assume. Exactly. If that turns exactly. if that yeah. turns into a shootout, then Caleb Williams is capable of making more plays than our quarterback. I mean, that's you know that's a water is wet statement, but Caleb Williams yeah. is extremely special at that spot. And so if it turns into a back and forth like it was against UCLA, that's overwhelmingly advantage USC in that game. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Um... Picks for this weekend, Brandon. Uh, NFL, uh, thick six, uh, six thick picks, uh, six picks, three college, three NFL, and Brandon's no rut November pick. Uh, we'll give you now. Uh, Denver versus Carolina under 36. God, that is going to be a game that sets offensive football back eons. Um, Chiefs minus 15 and a half against the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Bryce Perkins getting the start this weekend. Um, so no Matthew Stafford, no Cooper Cup. Just a completely depleted Rams roster against the Chiefs team uh, that is a lot better than them. And then uh, your Baltimore Ravens, minus three and a half against the Jags. I think they're going to get it right a little bit this week. Um, College football, Minnesota, Wisconsin, under 36. Um, A Big Ten under feels right. Um, UCLA, minus 11 versus Cal. And South Carolina, plus 14 and a half versus Clemson. I think I'll be very curious to see the maturity in South Carolina if they can step up back-to-back week. Certainly a better defense than they faced in Tennessee's. But after that emotional upset, everything that went into that, can they keep their eyes on the prize? A rivalry game usually should help the focus on that. You and I both know there's a different juice about those weeks, but I'd like to believe they can keep it within two touchdowns. So what do you got for no rut? I'm staying in the NFL with my no rut pick. Uh, and there's a lot of lines here, Mike, that I really, really do like. Uh, that Chiefs demolishing the Rams um, uh, 15 and a half. But we talked a lot about NFC teams this week. Your dad and yourself ranked the top four NFC, uh, top four teams in the NFC. I'm starting to believe in the 49ers. 
surprisingly. You know, I love my Jimmy G and all those weapons around him. I got to go no rut November, 49ers minus nine and a half mm. against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Saints are just, just a new version of bad. It almost feels like every time that we see them, it's just like a, a new reason or excuse why they are just not up to snuff outside of Andy Dalton be a very, very uh, handsome uh, older man. But yeah, 49ers are going to cover easy in this game. I, I can't imagine the Saints getting close. No, the Saints have been bad in the way that's, I think, the worst version of bad, where you're bad and you didn't realize it going into the year. <laughs> Yes. Like you didn't know you was in a rebuild year. Yeah, no, it was it was one of those real situations where it's oh no, you're bad, mean, and bad, not bad, mean, and good. <laughs> exactly. So no, I, I like I like that pick a lot. That Niners team, man, dangerous. We talked a lot about them. That is going to be a scary, scary out down the rest of the season. Yes. Um, Brandon four and three on the year and no rut. I am twenty nine forty one and three on six thick picks. So we'll see if we can rally and finish the college year on a strong note in a regular season slate and keep the NFL thing going as we get to the end of the year. But Brandon, speaking of the end of the year, it's near the end of the podcast, which means I have to ask you the question. Do you know what time it is? I do. I do. I do. Mark. And this is inspired by the Thanksgiving dinner that you had yesterday with our friends Dane and Hillary a very, very long time ago. Dane told me to sing this song as a this, that, and the third. It's one of our favorite songs. One of the things that makes us friends. Here we go. Some people settle for the typical things. Living all their life waiting in the wings. It ain't a question of if, just a matter of time. Before I move to the front of the line. Once you're watching every move that I make. You gotta believe that I got what it takes To stand out above the crowd Even if I gotta shout out loud So mine is the only face you'll see Gonna stand out this standing through I appreciate the vocal challenge that that was, man. You were living in an octave higher than I have ever been comfortable singing in for the entirety of that song. Oh, Tevin Campbell, uh, the Goofy Movie, Stand Out. Uh, I, I listened to that uh, before our spring game when I actually had a sack on Dane, and he knew I was listening to it because we listened to it right before the game. Was that the spring so, game that I gave up the sack to you? You may have been trying to guard me during that sack, yeah. Damn. Yeah, we, yeah, I, just, I got beat. I don't want to be redundant. I got getting beat by a goofy movie sack feels like the musical equivalent of the NFL little boy celebration. <laughs> I was charged up differently, Mike. <laughs> and, and and now that I've did you see the episode of Atlanta with about the Goofy movie? No, not yet. Oh, now I feel even more justified, and you'll feel better after watching that. All right, perfect. That'll be the antidote to years of pain that I haven't worked out in therapy yet. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five star rating and a review. Tell Brandon what you think, and offer suggestions because, as you've clearly seen, we're willing to do a podcast for one person. Uh, and this, oh, oh, this one, oh my gosh, every episode, <laughs> every, every, Hey, we're talking to just you right now. If you're listening. Yeah. It's talking to you. And by the way, while I'm talking to you guys, apparently it only works when I yell at you, go review us in the Apple podcast. <laughs> I had to get mean about this last time. I was trying to be chill about it. The holidays. I've seen y'all slacking off out here. All right. 
I don't need that. I don't play. Oh, I don't play man. about these reviews, man. This is for keeps now. Hey, this is hey. This is our job. Yeah. <laughs> you you think this shit's just fun? Real show trying, sure trying to sell y'all Mary Kay. Just just get over there and do, say something. Which y'all hear something? Do it like Zia Killa, who said they added this to the daily routine. Said five stars. This podcast has completed my move from radio to internet daily listening. But I have one question: Do you think that as Jesus in that video game that we talked about, where I am Jesus Christ, where you could play first person video game as Jesus, do you think Jesus in that game can do a kamehameha? I would absolutely think that Jesus has spent time learning under Master Roshi and will be able to pull off a pretty vicious kamehameha when called upon. That is the kind of person we want listening to this podcast those are the kind of reviews that we want and so when I ask I am asking once again for you to go out here and help support the cause and I feel like if I'm stern about this we got results last time so I'm just going with what worked hey y'all hear Gojo y'all hear him and I just want to be on the record and say that review was conflicting for me because Jesus and obviously you should have said spirit bomb and not Kamehameha <laughs> For, for whatever reason, too, I also feel like JC would have a pretty vicious solar flare, but that's just because everyone apparently knows oh. solar flare. <laughs> but that's that's a story for another day. Blinded by the light. All right, uh, let's let's get out of here. Um, Brandon, let's get to this. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, in Portugal's game against Ghana became the first man to score, the first man, I should say, to score a goal in five different World Cups. Now, it came in controversial fashion. It was kind of on a bullshit penalty that put Portugal up one nothing in that game. Ghana ended up evening it up quickly, but then Portugal poured a few more on, and it was kind of a bummer. I found myself rooting for Ghana a lot in that game. Uh, I believe Ghana yeah, I scored, Ghana up. scored. I think, the in that game, the first goal for an African nation in this year's World Cup. So congrats to them. Thank you. That was very exciting. But, uh, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo pulled that one out as we are getting uh, releasing this podcast on a day that is much more focused on the England versus U.S. match in Group B. Yes, and before, do you have anything on that? Uh, no, or, other than the fact that, you know, depending okay. on when you listen to this, that game may or may not have already happened. Very important. We hope the U.S. wins it. Soccer analysis. Yes, and we will be glued to the screen. This is when all of the uh, casuals get locked in and uh, root like they've been watching the entire time. But I just wanted to mention, Mike, during the World Cup, I always found myself rooting for these African countries. You know, and it's it's not it's not racial. It's just like they, it's just the you see you see the love for soccer in that country versus the the rest of them, and it's just kind of it feels a lot more grassroots, and I don't know, it's just, it's fun to see it on the stage. Yep, absolutely. So, shout out to Ghana. Uh, I guess technically shout out to Cristiano Ronaldo here for this accomplishment, and uh, yeah. go USA, man. We we need this one in a lot of ways, but beating England in anything is always a pretty good time. Um, cool. Let's get to RP uh, let's get to that Brandon. Uh, Mississippi State was also uh, and Mississippi were also playing a game yesterday on Thanksgiving. You had the Egg Bowl going on in Mississippi. Mississippi State gets the win in that game. I didn't see much of it, but it sounded wow. like the normal chaos that we get in the Egg Bowl. Maybe not of the fake peeing variety that ended up starting the butterfly effect of like a million different coaching hirings and firings, but. On that end, Lane Kiffin came out after that game and was asked about the Auburn job, all of the rumors and conversation uh, around his potential future. And when asked, he said that he anticipates staying at Ole Miss in 2023, even if Auburn offers him the chance to fill its head coaching vacancy. 
Um, he also had a meeting with the players earlier this week and told them he hadn't accepted a job at any other school after um, a local TV station in Columbus, Mississippi reported that he was going to do so. So, Brandon, he's come out and said it. We know in the past, and we saw Lincoln Riley was pretty creative with his words last year at the podium after Bedlam uh, before ultimately taking the USC job and leaving when he got asked about that. So I would never rule it out uh, as we wait to see what happens with the Auburn job, but Lane's at least publicly defied this so far. If you could put a day on it, expiration date, to hear about this job, would you, where would you set it at? Um, if I had... And not, not, not this job, but specifically Lane Kiffin taking it. Um, I would say I would say like Sunday or Monday of next week. Like, I... I think in an ideal world, all of this would happen after the Iron Bowl. I want to see this be a really like big yeah, day for yeah, Cadillac. Probably. Well, like, and, like right. Cadillac Williams has been one of the best stories in college football, what he's done as the interim uh, head coach at Auburn. So I want to see him get to go and play out the Iron Bowl. And then I'd imagine once we get on the other side of that and it's you know SEC and it's conference championship week, then we might see some movement on that front. Um Brandon, let's get to the third. This one was just sort of wild on the entertainment front. Uh, I saw this making the rounds yesterday. Netflix is going to have a heist show drop on New Year's Day called Kaleidoscope. And it's supposed to be a heist uh, drama that takes place spanning 25 years. A crew of thieves unlocking a seemingly unbreakable vault for the biggest payday in history. Um... It's also apparently loosely based on something that happened, but Brandon, the interesting part of this is that you won't see them in the same order as everybody else. So for this series, each viewer is going to have a unique experience where they're going to watch the show in a different episode order. Every episode is going to be given a color, and that's the name of the episode. And you're going to see the episodes in a different order. Every person's going to get them sequenced in a different way, and it's going to somehow alter the experience for the viewer. Are you interested in that at all? Interested, yes. Do I want it? No. I think experiments are for things that I'm not interested in. Like I like heist, mo- I like heist shows too much. Like, I, I, how how dare they? Like, okay, I'll say this, Mike. In a household where we have two very different people using the same Netflix, right? Me and my wife. I've noticed that they change even the the cover of the same show to acquiesce whatever the demographic is, mm. right? They always like highlight the the melanin skinned person for me, or like they try to highlight black love in in a place that. There's not even a black character in there, right? Where in Michelle's, it's a lot of like ripped guy or, or attractive white girl or something like that. So like they're already using the algorithm to, I didn't to make think a select. About that. So, so I don't like that they're going to decide how we get a chance to watch this based on whatever else algorithm they got. Like I don't, it, it's too, it's too Google Analytics-y for me. That's an interesting way to think about it is how much of this will be based off of your input and feedback because it's not like the body of each episode it's going to change. It's just going to be the order. I am sort of fascinated how they managed to maneuver that. I think from a creative liberties standpoint, it's kind of cool to see that. But you're right. The algorithm is a terrifying force of nature and there's no telling what havoc it could wreak on our lives when given the chance. Well, I will will say I'm there at Netflix because I'm – We'll be starting Wednesday from Tim Burton's Crazy Mind, the the story of Wednesday Adams. I know it's kind of weird that it's now and not uh, during the ho- uh, Halloween season, but 
I'll be on Netflix anyways. Yeah. It's, you know what? It's a good idea. It's a good reminder, though, to watch out for the potential of something racist happening here. Because... Hey. Hey. Can I keep your antennas it's up? It's always lurking below the surface. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, if you did the day after Thanksgiving for a little bite-sized version of this pod, uh, which still almost ended up being an hour. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Make sure you check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Michael Jr. tab. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.